0: I'm Sarah Reith, and tonight we've got a special open lines show with our brand-new county supervisors, 1st District Supervisor Glenn McGordy and 2nd District Supervisor Maureen Mulhern, who were sworn in on Monday morning. I'm going to ask a few questions for about 15 or 20 minutes, and then we're going to open up the lines. And the number here at the studio is 895-2448 if you'd like to add to the discussion or ask our new supervisors any questions. So... Welcome to both of you, and thank you so much for taking the time this evening.
1: you, Tara.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we should just jump right in. And um, Mo, or Supervisor Mulhern, I'd like to start with you, since your first vote out of the gate was a dissent on the consent calendar, and it ties in a little bit with the near disaster that was unfolding, like at the moment that you were being sworn in at 1130 on Monday morning. And that's the freezer failure at the hospital, which caused public health and NAFCAR over at the jail and everyone at the hospital and the EMTs and UK had to spend their whole day administering the 830 vaccines that, um, that were imperiled. Um, so there was an item on the consent calendar for a $100,000 contract with Deputy Public Health Officer Dr. Noemi Dewin to continue in her role consulting with Public Health Officer Dr. Andy Corrin. And you pulled that item for discussion and then voted against it in a four to one vote so can you talk about what led you to do that and your thinking on that vote
2: sure so for those of of the people that didn't really follow my um city council votes um i'm not afraid to be the solo vote on any item if i truly believe that i'm making the right decision for the community so I, I didn't necessarily find it that shocking that I was the only no vote so we'll just see how I guess the next four years goes um you know in regards to dr duhan's contract I had been under the impression that she would be wrapping up at the end of 2020 that the board had um, continued her contract to help support dr Corin and it's typically my preference to have local people in any kind of position to not outsource a lot of contracts to keep um to really keep our st- our staff as local as possible so that coupled with what happened on monday and having um no second in command, really ready to, to go wherever the vaccines needed to be distributed and to really have our um, our deputy public health officer, I just feel like we really need somebody in Mendocino County to support Dr. Corin. I haven't heard um, too much yet. I mean, I know that it's only the first week, but I haven't heard too much yet about the budget and what that looks like to me. could be spent on uh, staff members on the coast and inland that are really working to support the vaccine clinics or the testing or whatever we need because of the pandemic. And because it was on consent, it wasn't very clear that having a, a deputy public health officer was a necessity moving forward. So... There were there were several reasons and I I continue to believe that we really need public health staff that is in our county. Right.
0: And before I move on to Glenn, I do want to note that Supervisor Jurdy did ask if vaccination clinics on the coast will be prioritized in light of the fact that all those vaccines, the eight hundred thirty in the emergency clinics plus the sixty that happened in the the planned clinic, were all here in Ukaya. So close to a thousand vaccines in one day in Ukiah, and um, he didn't really get an answer as to whether there was going to be more more priority to vaccinating folks on the coast, so maybe we'll get a little more clarity on that later on. Um, Glenn, Supervisor McGordy, you you voted with the majority in favor of the contract, so can you talk about your thinking about your vote?
1: I can, and I, I was concerned like Mo because Dr. Duhan uh, isn't right here in border, but First of all, she's local to the extent that she has experience in Mendocino County. She had worked for Adventist Health. I spent a little bit of time talking with uh, some of our Mendocino County staff about why would you want her to continue working? And they kind of feel that because she's a knowledgeable person uh, on the subject and and offers extra knowledge to uh, the Mendocino County health departments uh, on issues related to Public health and and that they felt that she was necessary so <clears throat> at some point you have to you can't second guess uh, staff if they're making a recommendation sometimes you have to go along with it even though it, it doesn't always feel completely right to you and this was kind of a judgment call and as far as getting information from afar i'm used to that i mean in my previous days as a uc farm advisor i would contact people in europe sometimes for specialized information so i'm not afraid to have people in-house to, to go to, to get information. You know, we we're connected really well these days by the internet and, uh, you know, uh, phones. So I, I think that having somebody dedicated to working on tough problems is, is a good idea. And especially with the way that the pandemic's been going, having more hands uh, on deck, I think, is better than not. So I, I sort of followed the the lead, I think, of, of the people I talked with in, in the county In conversations about extending the contract like mo i was concerned but i i didn't i i wanted to to work with our staff if they felt that this was important then i was going to go along with it
0: and i want to stay on vaccines for a little bit um the issue of vaccine transparency is coming up um Especially with the, the tears changing around a lot and a lot of folks felt like they were left out of the, the vaccination opportunity on Monday. And yet our program managers in the vaccine rollout project are facing a 50% refusal rate. They're only vaccinating half the people who get the opportunity to be vaccinated when it's their turn. So it's this weird juxtaposition of a mad scramble and kind of hanging back. And so what are your thoughts on making more of the information available to the public about not necessarily individuals and names, of course, but which regions, which jobs, um, which demographics are being vaccinated and and how much do you think that that we should know and how much is it possible to let people know? Mm.
1: So, so, this is a really different kind of vaccine, uh, a messenger RNA vaccine. It's kind of the first one that's been come to us uh, out of the world of biotechnology uh, where we are basically have a designer vaccine. So, some people are a little bit apprehensive about that. And then there's just been kind of a mistrust of science that's unfortunately been politicized, which concerns me greatly as as So um, I can see why some people might be kind of holding back and say, well, let's see if the the first several million get through the next few months without having any health issues. I can see that. I can see why people would be reluctant. But, you know, one thing for certain, I know if I I can track COVID personally, I'm in a high risk group. Uh, And so, you know, if given the opportunity, I I will take the vaccine. There's no no question about that because I know the outcome of COVID is going to be pretty dicey for me. I I think there should be uh, prioritization. So uh, even if people choose not to take it, it should go to frontline workers first. And and I'm not on the front line. I'm in a very fortunate position of being able to isolate myself uh, and not have to go out in public every day the way that some people do. So I want to see obviously everyone in healthcare, uh, people living in in close conditions, such as in the county jail or or nursing homes, resident care homes, uh, people who, who work in, in public, where they come into public contact with others every day, such as supermarkets and, uh, you know, retail establishments and and uh, and agricultural workers, because a lot of them work close together. It's hard to socially distance in some of the jobs they do. And then finally, when, when we're, we're pretty far down the line, uh, I'll be happy to step forward. But yeah, it's got to be transparent. It has to be organized. You know, it should be a, a fairly... Good, easy process to do, and I'm sure the you know let's take a look at how Israel's doing it. One advantage they have, of course, is they have a nationalized healthcare system, uh, so they know who everybody is, they know who their doctors are. That helps a lot, and of course, we're kind of decentralized with our our medical delivery system. So, um, anyway, that's just some of my my initial thoughts on it.
0: So do you think that the worker groups that you just mentioned should have priority over the city and county infrastructure workers who were prioritized on Monday?
1: Well, a- anybody who comes in contact with, um, with with the public is a priority as far as I'm concerned. And uh, what happened on Monday was sort of a mad scramble. I don't think anybody planned that. It was just one of these things that sort of uh, organically evolved. And I, I, you know that the, there's i commended them for for giving out 800 doses in two hours that's pretty extraordinary when it just you, you wondered uh you know what why we can't be delivering vaccines at a faster rate than we are present it's just the program's going to take a while to ramp up it's clear yeah.
0: and mo you brought up the idea of a vaccine dashboard kind of similar to the covid dashboard that we have now. Can you talk a little bit more about your ideas of of bringing a little more vaccine transparency to the public?
2: Sure. And since the questions that I asked at the Board of Supervisors meeting on Tuesday, I have gotten some more information that I hope will be discussed at the press conference. Um, Also, I volunteered yesterday, Wednesday at the vaccine clinic um, all day long so I feel like as a, as a supervisor, if I'm making decisions, I really want to know what the team is going through and how I can best support them and see what their needs are. So one of the things that I think the public didn't know in advance of Monday was that vaccines are actually coming into the county in four different ways. One through the Adventist health system two to the county public health directly three to the CVS Walgreens federal partnership to vaccinate the nursing homes and then four to tribal local tribal governments. So the vaccines are coming in a variety of ways. The county public health department is tasked with tracking uh, who's getting vaccines and making sure that they are being spread across the county making sure that people are getting them. I think moving forward there's um, an opportunity to create a database if you will like an on-call list so if there's appointment schedules and people aren't showing up there's a a more strategic way to call those folks in the COVID tiers because it's it's really important that we follow the California public health guidelines about the tiers and and work through that process if we can move through it more quickly once the vaccine They do have to use it, so people not showing up for appointments is definitely a challenge that the team members are having to work through. I think that staff is hoping to get some type of dashboard or information out about how many vaccines have come through the county system, how many people have been vaccinated, more information publicly about when the vaccine clinics are, and how people can sign up to get vaccinated that want to be vaccinated. I grew up in Mendocino County. I'm hoping we can get 60,000 people vaccinated. And before Monday, I was concerned we weren't gonna have enough people stepping forward, but I think Monday really showed that there are a lot of people out there that want the vaccine. So as quickly as we can look at getting those tiers aligned and getting the people in the tiers vaccinated first, I don't think that we're gonna, um, I think that we are going to be able to get the majority of our, of our population vaccinated. And that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Um, Glenn, do you want to weigh in?
1: Yeah, I just, I, I left, first of all, no, that's really wonderful that you're, you're participating in the clinics. That's great. Uh, as a volunteer, I'm, I'm a little bit reluctant to go out in public because of <laughs> where I am health wise. Um, I left out a really important group and we should mention this too. And that's teachers. We really need to get kids back in school. And I think there's two parts that, you know, the kids in school. Uh, The first one is getting the teachers uh, vaccinated so that they're safe because a lot of them are really reluctant to want to go back into a classroom if they think they're going to become ill. And the second thing is coming up with rapid testing so that we can uh, check students really quickly. If we did rapid testing and uh, contact tracing and inoculating teachers, we could be back in school pretty quickly uh, and uh, essentially if we're checking kids a couple times a week and if we find that they test positive uh, we would you know have them uh, isolate with their family and and probably an extra part that isn't in place would be that we'd also put their family immediately on kind of some sort of economic compensation so they didn't have to go to work and they could stay home and be healthy
0: mo did you want to add something to that
2: yeah that's really important and You know, I am fortunate to have been on the city council in Ukiah, so I know that the city manager, the city of Ukiah and Deb Cuban from Ukiah Unified are absolutely ready to help support the vaccine distribution when and if they're called upon um, helping that, if that's through locations, if that's through volunteers, you know, entering database functions or, or whatever the county needs for support to get the vaccines out as quickly as possible um there there are definitely community partners that are more than willing to step up and help support that and i think that that's that is one thing that is really important and has been shown over and over during this last year is how much we can accomplish if we all work together
0: yeah and and all this stuff about who gets to go when is definitely an ethical question and we've heard that this week the county is trying to pull together an ethics committee consisting of people from various regions of the county and you know of various racial backgrounds and we don't know yet who's serving on that committee and and what they'll be tackling what what do you know about that and what would you like to see this committee take on
2: Well, my district is the second district, which is basically the city limits of Ukiah. And I know that often things occur in the city of Ukiah. So I know that I will be supporting my fellow supervisors and county population by making sure that we are getting vaccines to the coast, that we are in North County, making sure that people in Covalo and Laytonville are getting vaccinated. I think that that Geographically, Mendocino County can be very daunting, especially when you have something as fragile as vaccines that may thaw or should not be shaken up too much. And we have infrastructure that needs a lot of repairs and it it can feel like a daunting task, but it's incredibly important that we're equally distributing the vaccines.
0: Right. And how do you not shake that vaccine driving over some of our county roads? Um, before I get to you, Glenn, I just want to reintroduce our guests. I'm Sarah Wright, and I'm talking with our new county supervisors, First District Supervisor Glenn McGordy and Second District Supervisor Maureen Mulhern. And you can call in and contribute to the discussion. The number here is 895-2448. So, Glenn, what are your thoughts and wishes for this ethics committee that is going to be forming up real soon here?
1: Sure. I'm, I'm not aware of, of the proposed uh, uh, makeup of it, but I. all voices need to be heard. And that's one of the things that, of course, we've, we've seen with how COVID's been distributed. It's not happening equally all over the county, and there's some at-risk populations. So certainly, the at-risk populations need to be included. And uh, just to find out from them, you get their perspective of if, okay, if you're going to get uh, people like me here how are we going to do it what what's the best approach and uh, there there could be different ways of contacting folks um a lot of a lot of the latino community uses whatsapp it's they use it to talk to family members in other countries uh because it operates over the internet so you can talk very inexpensively and it's encrypted but it, it can also message for you and do other things so there's an example of a platform that should be utilized um and, and word of mouth is still, in Mendocino County, a very effective way of getting news around. Uh, AZYX is very helpful. People tune into it and our local newspaper. So, you know, all of those, those uh, all forms of, of communications are, should be on the table and, and uh, we should reach out to have as many voices heard uh, in this process to make sure that no one's forgotten. And I agree with Mo, you know, the remote corners of the county uh, definitely shouldn't be overlooked because we uh, first district has some remote corners of the county and uh, you know distant populations. So I support that wholeheartedly. Yeah.
0: And of course, all of this ties into the need for really good planning. And Glenn, you said that the most exciting thing on the agenda earlier this week was the um, long-term strategic plan. So can you talk about why that is and some of your ideas for making it happen? including some of the things that, that you're personally willing to do to bring it to fruition since we've heard a lot from staff about how everyone always has really great ideas for giant projects for them to take on
1: <laughs> well you might have noticed when it, when we we're about to go to a vote i i uh, deferred to carmel and said if, if we do this are you on board uh because it's really important that your staff be included in these kinds of decision making it is an, a big undertaking so strategic plan uh, probably would take us, uh, you know, part-time about a year to get through because uh, I kind of how I envision it is is basically addressing one of the big issues that Mendocino County needs to get through in the coming year, and, and I think we kind of know what they are. We know pandemic really rises high to the top, uh, trying to get cannabis straightened out. That seems to be a perennial uh, issue of, of coming to some conclusions on our, uh, you know, getting permits and licenses and getting it in the right places and and uh you know trying to get income for for uh, people in the industry as well as the county uh you know other things are, are the usual things uh, transportation and, and communications uh fire water public safety uh th- those are all things that we would want to address uh in a strategic plan and and it's a process so uh it usually starts with uh what are your your objectives followed by uh, goals and uh then you try to get as many of of the stakeholders involved in both the public sector as well as people in the county usually by department you uh ask departments you know what what is it that you do and how do you deliver services uh what are the things that that make you successful, what things don't, uh, how can we work together? So, in, in some respects, you know, we're already doing a certain amount of, of planning. it's, we call it a budget. And that's basically what a budget is. It's a plan to spend money and deliver services. But strategic planning takes it to the next level because it's somewhat aspirational. It also has to do with what do you want to do? Uh, and and finally, probably most importantly, is to have some level of metrics in this. Is uh, It can't be just a find-in-the-sky kind of thing. There has to be some measurables. And deliverables uh, to your plans so you know when you get there. So, uh, in, in the University of California, where we use strategic plans uh, pretty frequently, about every four we're on about a five-year cycle, um, you, your, your first year is spent developing the plan and the next four or five is using the plan. And it's really helpful because you can always go back to it if you're wondering, am I doing the right thing? You have a plan to refer to, and you have some guidance. So I think it's really, really important. It's also important for accountability because then you can say to uh, the different departments, "This is what you said you were going to do. How you doing? Are you are you meeting your goals, or are they way off, or are we too optimistic, or is there something that's keeping you from getting this done?" Those are all parts of strategic planning. It's uh, you know, as I say, you, you can't get anywhere unless you have a map to get there if you don't know where you're going.
0: Right, and it sounds like um, job descriptions and succession within departments are really important tools to, to clarify exactly what you're trying to accomplish.
1: Well, certainly part of it. You know, I know mean, we, we could really get down the weeds here, but I, I wanted to kind of stay focused on, you know, big issues. But yeah, let's, let's look at our different departments. It's a really good question. Are we organized properly? You know, do we have enough departments? Do we have too many departments? uh are are we too central in, in the way that we operate should we decentralize are we being fair enough to to get a worker buy-in so that they're part of the mission and we're pulling the same direction as us and there's ways to measure all these things and it's really really critical uh to to develop a good plan to ask those questions
0: and mo it sounds like um being on the Ukiah city council you've also got some familiarity with long-term strategic plans can you weigh in on that
2: Sure. As a council member, I did participate in strategic planning for the city of Ukiah, and I do think it is really important, of course. I think the great opportunity that's happening right now at the county of Mendocino is we already had two fairly new supervisors with Williams and Hashack, and now we have an additional two. So with a fresh perspective on the board, also some retirements in key departments, like health and human services and planning and building, there's really opportunities to take a look at the department's and see what's working and what's not and create a path forward so we're not just dealing with we're not beholden to whatever staff is available at the time we have an actual plan and we can be prepared to move forward whether somebody catches the lottery and moves to tahiti or not the county can keep moving forward
1: and things change so you know we're we're going to uh, have to focus more on water issues uh we're, we're starting to enter into groundwater sustainable management sustainable groundwater management and uh you know there there's going to be some regulation on that i hope it's minimal but we'll, we'll still have to be following uh data uh, analysis to be sure that we're not over pumping groundwater in ukiah valley who knows what's going to happen with the powder valley project and, and what comes out of that but almost certainly uh there's, there's going to be uh power sharing uh it'll be most likely some sort of a joint powers authority that would manage uh, the Potter Valley project in the future. And, uh, you know, who's going to be in charge of that on a county level since the county will be involved. These are all things that we have to determine. So we have to kind of figure out where, uh, where some new positions might be. The other thing that I'm very concerned about is just generally digital uh uh, data gathering and storage in our county is, is in some cases, kind of abysmal. And we're seeing that uh, with the cannabis program right now, that things that were sent to uh, the people regulating cannabis in our county, of course, the department ship that employees left, things were left in email and never got picked up when the employees left. So there's all sorts of stuff that needs straightening out that, uh, again, having a good strategic plan for, uh, for upping our, the quality of the work we do. Grant tracking, uh, more and more we live by grants. So having a nimble uh, grant tracking system uh, as the University of California does, since uh, they also live and die by grants. uh, They they have a really wonderful department that does nothing but that. And when you submit a grant, you have to work with them. It's gotta go to them and be cleared first before it can be submitted. So, and then they follow up with you. They, they actually write contracts for the grant with the different granting agencies, and they tell you what your reports to do, and they make sure that you submit your invoices and everything's done. And I, I think Mendocino County needs something like that as well.
0: Right. And one thing that uh, Ted Williams said before the discussion on the long-term strategic plan started is that, He was feeling jaded and maybe a big part of the plan needed to be, what are we not going to do? So is this going to end up being like the New Year's resolution list that people put together every single year where if they just do all, you know, 27 of these things, they'll, you know, improve themselves beyond perfection. I mean, how much of this plan is weeding out some of the the great ideas and just saying, you know, we, we just don't have the bandwidth for this?
2: I think like Glenn mentioned, when you're following the money and doing tasks that are related to where the money is coming from, you may or may not be hitting your goals. And so, I think that's one of really important reasons for strategic planning is, you know, what are our requirements and how do we make sure that we're really, really successful at doing the things that we're required to do and not necessarily focus on there's a pot
1: of money for X, Y, Z. Let's go after that. Uh, I, I would, the analogy that I like to use, it's just like your garage. You have a lot of stuff in it. Some of it you don't use, some of it you really can't afford the space to keep. And, uh, what we need is, is we have to recognize that we're uh, kind of a small poor County in terms of our population and uh, our budget. So, what we have, we want to keep neat and tidy, and and working in and good working order, and that's part of what strategic planning helps you with too. And and it does say, if we only have so much money, there's some things we can't do anymore, you know. And in all fairness to the sheriff, I know he gets criticism, but um, he he said, I'm not going to patrol the the back roads of Mendocino County looking for people to dump garbage, even though it's a personal annoyance of mine since i live in the country and people dump garbage on my property and i get it you know i mean you you can't do everything so you have to prioritize you know the the most egregious crimes or the things the sheriff looks after and uh it's the same with other departments they've got to take care of the things that rise uh, to the highest level and and prioritize what things are essential and what things would be nice to do and what things that they might aspire to do uh and make their plans accordingly. But I think it's important to to sort of limit what you're willing to do.
0: Okay, well, we've got our first caller. So let's take that call. Hello, caller, you're live on the air. Do you have a question for our new supervisors?
3: Uh, Well, yes, we were talking a while uh, ago about uh, the possible ethics committee with regard to um, who gets the coronavirus? Uh, or is that still a part of the discussion? Sure. Um, this, what I would like to suggest is that in the formation of uh, any such committee, and I think that's a great idea, is uh, the first thing is to find out uh, in the general population who wants it and who doesn't, because I think the more I hear of the number of people refusing it and the various reasons, and, you know, it seems like a little bit more of a um, possibility of of a reaction than we initially thought, Um, it it may be that uh, quite a number of people uh, in the A range or so wouldn't particularly want it, whereas. as... uh, some of us down in uh, uh, a lower range uh, uh, might uh, indeed uh, want to uh, uh, participate. So, is there, is there any way to um, to set the ethics committee up uh, so that, the, that one of the first things that they investigate or uh, include in the uh, in the litany of uh, uh, items to be considered is does the person want it, um, and um, I, that's pretty important. Yeah, yeah well,
2: one of the things that the that staff is working on is a database um, that can be filled out an online template where people can enter their information by asking pertinent questions, which will help determine which tier that they would fall under. And that'll help us get better information, better numbers about how many people in which tier will want the vaccine, and it'll also provide contact information, phone numbers and emails, so that, heaven forbid, there were to be an incident where vaccines had to be distributed very quickly, those people in the appropriate tier could be specifically contacted. Um, and that is really part of making sure that we're following the tiers is having the ability to contact people that are in the appropriate tier without having somebody to have to stand there and think of, who do I know that's in, you know, XYZ doctor's office or whatever that looks like.
3: Right. I know that they were going out on the street at Adventist Hospital uh, trying to get people. And I guess they got enough people to, to use the, the, the vaccine, which is... Fortunate, yeah, it,
1: it is. So, so I, you know, remember one of our uh, informal mottos in our our county is "question of authority." So, I don't expect everyone to to want to line up for a vaccine. I really do think there's going to be some hesitation. And remember, we're not talking just one vaccine. There's going to be some other t- types. The AstraZeneca vaccine is is based on more traditional approach of of using the, a deactivated virus, uh, although they will again have uh, transfer RNAs in it. So uh, that and that is a much more stable vaccine. It's not as difficult to, to handle. So that's coming down the, the line. It hasn't been approved yet, but um, it, it probably will be sometime within the month. So, uh, Well, you
3: know, thank you for that suggestion. And I actually, again, I want to reiterate uh, the main thing as I'd like to see um, this be a kind of like a rolling ethics committee that's an interactive uh, ethics committee that, that takes new ideas and different ideas uh, uh, about, like, a lot of different ways uh, in which we can manage ourselves, like maybe in, in, including suggestions to be in parks. And I'm just thinking of just... but. Uh, um, some way to, for the, the uh, those of us who are kind of stuck at home uh, uh, to have a voice
1: in our future. No, I, I agree with you 100. And uh, but yeah, we still need to be guided by science because what we we don't want to do is have this yes. thing become what we call endemic, meaning it's always in the background and just when you think you're 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 safe, you're not and, and you get sick. So uh, it would be really great to see this eradicated, just as we we. Pretty much did with smallpox. I mean, that was a, a dreadful disease. Yeah, uh, and we then we it would it be participating
3: in the eradication, not than not mm-hmm. just recipients of, of, of the material. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's wonderful that science is uh, moving forward in such a rapid way and in a responsible way. Uh, I'm very, I'm very pleased quite surprised actually. Um, but uh, if, we, if we feel like uh, we're, our input is, is uh, um, a part of uh, the treatment, uh, then that feels like uh, a healthy choice.
0: And if we fail to vaccinate something like 60,000 people in this county, it could be endemic, right?
1: Well, that's what they're saying we, we don't know for sure i mean that's remember we're we're working with the best available knowledge and uh based on on the concept of 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 creating an immune population it usually means you have to have 75 to 80 percent of the people have to be either inoculated or had the disease and then it tends to go away so we think about the 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 great pandemic of 1918 what happened is so many people got sick uh that they finally got to a point of immunity and and the disease kind of disappeared. But um that was at a huge cost. Uh so a lot of deaths. So so that's why we're we're trying to avoid that. That's the whole point of trying to get uh probably in Mendocino County it would be about sixty thousand people inoculated and we'd probably be moving towards a, a safe place.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people forget that natural herd immunity does involve a huge number of deaths.
1: It does, yeah. And depending upon the virulence of the organism that you're you're dealing with, it can be pretty uh, intense.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to reintroduce my guests. I'm Sarah Wright, and I'm here on an Open Lines program with our new county supervisors, 1st District Supervisor Glenn McGordy and 2nd District Supervisor Maureen Mulhern. And we're still... Talking about vaccines, um, Mo, you volunteered at the clinic yesterday, and you were saying that you saw a lot of people taking selfies. So can you talk about some ideas for encouraging people to, to take the vaccine and um, contribute to a, a quicker herd immunity?
2: I think it was really about positive peer pressure. And I thought it was great that people were taking selfies, posting on social media, that it didn't hurt Um, And they were asking the questions that they heard. They were asking the nurses, will I now test positive for COVID? So for people to be able to go get the vaccine and then be able to respond as a person in our community that has had the experience, um, I have not heard of adverse reactions in our community from anybody that has gotten the vaccine while I was volunteering the vast majority of people said it didn't hurt at all and maybe I just had a really I was working with a really great nurse that um, was just an expert at it but people hardly said that they said that didn't hurt at all and I think the more that people share their positive experience the less we have the stigma attached to trying something new in the form of getting a vaccine and I have been really working with county staff and community and the business leaders about destigmatizing testing positive for COVID, and destigmatizing if the business if a business does have incidents of an outbreak. I mean, I think that that is one of the concerns for most business owners that are able to open their business is they don't want bad press or negativity from it, and I think that. What we know at this point is that it's likely inevitable that a business would go without getting at least a case of COVID. So destigmatizing that I think is really important for our community as well to encourage people to get tested. And I think Glenn mentioned earlier about opportunities that people have for support if a business does need to send an employee home that they can receive groceries or um, help paying their rent or whatever it is that they might need through either county
0: services or volunteer organizations like NCO. Okay, well, we've got another call. Oh, nope, we lost that caller. Uh, The number here is 895-2448 if you'd like to call in and contribute to the discussion or ask one of our new supervisors a question. Um, I... I think I'd like to go into the weeds a little bit about vaccines and this long-term planning and ask you both about your thoughts on supporting planning and building services, which is the department that seems to end up taking on some of the most essential projects in the entire county. I mean, cannabis, we've got a program manager with Megan Duquette, there's fire recovery, and now the vaccine rollout. Um Nash Gonzalez is going to be taking on the directorship of planning and building services. Um, so, you know, we know that, that we'll have someone who is capable of taking on an awful lot. But at the meeting, we also heard that the, the vaccine rollout only has eight staff and we're perennially short of planners. And of course, the vaccine rollout also requires a huge amount of clerical work to keep track of who's come in for which vaccine and who's got the second shot due when. So what are your thoughts on, on supporting this department at this moment of flux, which could be could be kind of a disaster, but could also be a great opportunity?
2: Well, I guess I could go first, if Glenn doesn't mind. I mean, it's a goal and a priority of mine to free up planning a building to get back to the business of the work that they have regarding cannabis and regarding housing, regarding um, annexation, they have some very specific uh, job descriptions and things that they could be working on right now. I would love to see the vaccine rollout really be in public health and health and um, human services. And I think that with the support of community partners like UKI Unified School District, and uh, Ukiah Valley Fire Authority. Hopefully, there's an opportunity to free up some time from the um, from the actual day to day functions of the vaccine rollout, and really get our planning and building folks back to the business of planning and building. So, I mean, that's my hope. When we start really rolling and getting on track, that we're able to to get the clinic, the vaccine clinics, up and running without having. Uh, day-to-day management from that
0: department yeah that's a good point they already had a full-time job before cannabis and before fire recovery and before vaccines um so glenn do you want to weigh in on that
1: yeah so so uh one of the things about planning and one of the things about nash is that you know there, there, there are some departments that are go to departments to get things done and i i think that's part of the reason why it's in their lap at the moment um i and i was isn't privy to the discussion as to why they chose building and planning it, it does it's a, a little bit of a head scratcher when we have a public health department uh, but it's just like the water agency uh was uh now that some of the things are are starting to to build up and require more attention carmel had it kind of under her her uh carmel angela our ceo had it under her uh bailiwick but she's kind of moved it off to uh department of transportation because howard another get it done kind of guy so uh sometimes in small county uh, uh organizations where where you you're a little thin in the ranks sometimes you you bring in your star players and you you substitute them into the lineup to get things done and i think that's that's kind of how this case is uh right now so i i'm not privy to all the discussion so i don't know it was as much a surprise to me as anybody else and i hadn't heard Very much about it before our first meeting
0: okay we're gonna bring in another caller caller you're live on the air do you have a question for our new supervisors
4: yes i do and i'm glad you mentioned transportation because that's what i want to call about um i go from willits to fort bragg at least once a week to visit my grandkids and i'm very much concerned about the highway 20. they're Mm. logging so close to the road it's eroding the walls are coming down and I like our skinny roads. I've lived here all my life. And I, with this uh, recent, uh, they had a real estate magazine article about Jackson State Forest. And I think we had a uh, one-hour program with uh, talking about the six timber harvest plans that are being proposed uh, by the Jackson State Forest and CEQA and NEPA. The California Environmental Quality Act is not being enforced. And I'd like to have the, the large, long-range plans. What are we going to have 10 years from now? Because at the rate that we're going with the logging, you look at the log deck down there in Ukiah, 100,000 trees are cut. I don't know who's doing it. I don't know where the trees are going, but it's, we ha, we are a third-world country. We're an extractive economy, capitalism. The, the value of the tree standing... In the forest, holding the wind and the soil and the rain, and keeping the soils from eroding into the salmon creeks, it's a complex issue. But I Collar, think that we you need to get some workshops, some training, and jobs for environmental studies for watershed and for, for t- protecting the salmon. I don't know who's where's fishing game in all this, and the, the Caltrans people are not being. You know who's monitoring? We need monitoring. For the, the sequencing about the cannabis, we need to protect our salmon. We need to protect our watersheds. And it's a, a really serious, because if it's once it's gone, it's gone. We can't come back.
0: Glenn, so, do you want you
4: know, to? It's imperative that we make good decisions now so that five and ten years from now, we, we can't say, oh, well, I should have, could have, would have.
0: Glenn, do you, you want to so... talk about how sure. the long-term I... planning can address I, some I, of the I... caller's concerns?
1: yeah this is going to sound awful but it the the county has surprisingly little control over what goes on first of all highway 20 is a state highway so that's caltrans that's not uh our local mendocino uh county department of transportation and then forestry is also regulated strictly by the state we we don't get involved we don't really have a function here in, in mendocino county we don't even really uh have the timber harvest plans uh available for public review uh sort of like um we we don't keep them i guess is what i'm trying to say so there there's not a lot that that we can do um mendocino county tried years ago to have a a timber uh or we we had a forestry advisory committee and and we wanted to have county timber rules and board of supervisors at that time passed on it um but then they changed some of the rules with uh uh, Cal Fire, or California Department of Forestry, as it was called back then, and you know we we have surprisingly little to do with that. Uh, same thing with water quality; that's run by the North Coast Regional Water Quality Control Board. Uh, we we certainly can can interact with them, but we don't really have uh, uh, much to say over their decisions. Uh, they they manage that as a regulatory agency, and it's really not part of, of our responsibility. Now that being said, uh, I'm a, a real believer of educated people are going to make the right decisions. And we do have uh, a program in Mendocino County that addresses that, and that would be, of course, University of California Cooperative Extension. And we're fortunate to have a really good forestry advisor uh, by the name of Dr. Michael Jones. So he certainly works with landowners, uh, tries to bring them up to speed works with people who write timber harvest plans, uh, registered professional foresters, they do workshops for landowners. And uh, the, the other thing that we're, we're starting to address more that, that um, we need to pay, play an active role in is, is, is actually uh, having controlled burns and, and trying to create some uh, fire safety issues through a burning and vegetation management we have our fire safe councils that those are locally run through the Mendocino County Resources, uh, Resource Conservation District. Uh, Scott Cratty is in charge of that program. So we do have people who are addressing some of these forestry issues. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to seem like I'm not concerned because I'm totally concerned, but there's some things that we just don't have control over as, uh, county supervisors.
0: And uh, before I, I go to Mo to ask about some of your experiences as a city council person working with the Fire Safe Councils, I want to reintroduce my guests. We're talking with our new supervisors, First District Supervisor Glenn McGordy and Second District Supervisor Maureen Mulhern. I'm Sarah Wright. So, Mo, Glenn just brought up a good point about the controlled burns and vegetation management, and the City of Ukiah worked with CAL FIRE and Fire Safe Councils extensively, on these um these fuel breaks so can you talk a little bit about that experience and how you think that it can be expanded into the rest of the county
2: Sure the Western Hills fire mitigation was really a, a good opportunity to create a template and there was excellent staff at the time some of those folks have retired but they were were really able to get landowner permission and get all of the, the key players that can make a project like that um really be successful i think that making sure that we have funds for maintenance on a project like that and then of course replicating it all over the county and supporting the um, fire safe councils after the fires in 2017 our community our neighborhoods especially in rural and remote areas have really come together to support each other and to make sure that um, we do have systems in place for if there is a fire for evacuation and for supporting each other with um, control burns and and forest management in rural areas where, where people are living. You know, I think I haven't heard... From the county's environmental committee yet so i'm hoping that maybe they have some feedback that they want to share with the board of supervisors i know they've been working on things for maybe about a year and a half or so the other thing that i really hope that the community the county will be able to communicate if it's not our role and responsibility whose role and responsibility is, and how can we get the public to that website or that that other um, contact information so that they do come to the county as a resource for for what they need help with. So, and I think we, as a, as a county, as every everyday citizen shouldn't be thinking as far as the environment's concerned, five or 10 years down the line, we need to be thinking 50 and 100 years and, and what does our landscape look like you know, yeah. decades and decades from
0: now. Yeah. Well, I want to go to our next caller. Caller, you're live on the air. Do you have a question for our new supervisors?
5: Yes, I do have a question about um, some of the trash receptacles that have been removed from around the county parks. And um, the uh, although during COVID, we can't probably have um, the prisoner crews come out again, but when did we lose the prisoner crews um, that used to come and pick up the garbage at the various county parks and is that an insurance issue now or is that something that we can look to bring back? Um, I also notice uh, as McGordy uh, pointed out earlier there's a lot of trash that's accumulating around the county and um, it's, it's becoming an issue and, and possibly a health and fire issue Also, uh, with broken glass and stuff like that. So I'd I'd like to know what happened with um, the work projects uh, from the county jail. Thank you.
0: I think some of that might be um, Chamberlain Creek closing, but maybe one of you has a little more detailed information about that.
1: I think it's... Uh,
2: go, Go ahead, Glenn.
1: Yeah, I, I I really can't answer that question intelligently because I'm not quite sure what's happening. I I, I it seems like I've heard a, a little blurb about how some of the uh, the the conservation camps have closed because of COVID because they're they tend to be low risk prisoners, and some of them have been released to to sort of home confinement, um, and uh, the right now the state is is trying to reduce the the prison population. Uh, where it's logical and they have low-risk prisoners that uh, they would rather not keep congregated where they're likely to get COVID since we don't have vaccinations and such. And I I don't know if that's correct, but that's how I seem to recall um, uh, hearing a news report. Uh, And as far as the the county uh, jail goes, right now they're, of course, under just horrific conditions with an outbreak affecting uh, close to 100 people and had a a conversation with with the sheriff about it and he said it's, it's just he can't sleep it's just worrying about that because i mean these are the wards of our county and and uh we have an obligation to care for them and having trouble so yeah. um uh, right now no one is we're trying to, to limit uh coming and going uh the trash is a, a personal irritation of mine (laughs) and uh you know we we i I just i don't understand why people uh feel that they have a right to dump what they're done with wherever they feel like it rather than paying tipping fees and uh i guess because there's little consequence and it's hard to catch them and you know we have river cleanups and everything else uh, which i've participated in the past and and i do on my own anyway and it got so bad here uh, last about six months ago that, that some of the landowners here on Old River Road, we just hired someone to, to go pick up trash because we were tired of looking at it and it wasn't getting cared for. So, um, and, and you know, I know neighbors who patrol and pick up cans and stuff, and it's just one of these annoyances that, that um, you know, it's, it's, there's a couple things that supervisors, it's always in the back of their mind. One are potholes and roads that need repaving, and then the other one is trash. It's just something that we were always concerned about. Uh, and no matter who you are and when you are, uh, politician you're probably going to have to deal with that
0: yeah well we're going to take one more call caller do you have a question for our new supervisors
6: hi yes i do um and thank you for a great show and welcome to the two new supervisors i want to go back to something that a caller said earlier about um timber harvest plans and things that are um out of your jurisdiction so to speak but mm-hmm. and I really like some of the things that I'm hearing you say about fire safety and um, how to reduce fuel loads and how to how to be more fire safe, and um, what the landscape will look like decades from now. But there's a connection there, and those timber harvest plans have a lot to do with how our landscape does look and how fire safe or unsafe it is. So mm-hmm. a case in point would be Jackson State Forest, which is also a you know, a tourist area that has um, a bearing on the county as well. So I just hope that you'll um, consider those overlaps. And I was wondering if you could each tell me, um, express your position on the enforcement or lack of it of Measure V, that would have outlawed the practice. Well, it would have declared the practice of hack and to be a fire danger. And um, uh, so and we should you. do I'll, I'll that. My call. Okay, thanks. I'll my thank you, caller.
0: And we should um give you just about 20 or 30 seconds each to take on that enormous complicated issue. And then we will have to sign off for the evening. So Mo, let's start with you. Yeah, I think, you
2: know, this is one of the things that came up early on in the campaign. And I think we do have two supervisors working on the enforcement. Um, I think this is where keeping track and Following up and making sure that things are accomplished. This is going to be where the supervisors really are following up with staff and making sure that things are moving forward. So I don't know where the enforcement is at this point, um, but I support the the voter based initiative. All right,
0: Glenn, can you can you so, take this on in thirty seconds?
1: Sure. So measure B ran into several problems. They're jurisdictional. So pesticides are regulated by the state of California. Forest. Um, by the state of california and we have a a right to farm ordinance in mendocino county which uh, says that you can't uh, object to or you can't do anything about nuisances from existing uh, agricultural operations that's what what's been the big problem moving this forward it's the will of the people but uh there's some real problems legally kind of dealing with those issues and that's why it's stymied at the moment
0: Well, thank you both so much for taking the time on a Thursday evening to introduce yourselves in your new roles. Um, I'm Sarah Wright. We have just been speaking with our new supervisors, First District Supervisor Glenn McGordy and Second District Supervisor Maureen Mulhern after their first meeting on Tuesday and they're swearing in on Monday. So thanks again and um, welcome to the county.
1: Thank you, Sarah.
2: Thank you.